I wanted to invite our listeners, who we call Mavericks, to the Renew Energy Holiday Party. It'll be on Thursday, December 5th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. in Hudson Hall in Jersey City. We'll also be celebrating the 50th episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast, and we appreciate you making it one of the most popular podcasts in solar. The cost to attend the event is $10, and food will be served. Also, our co-hosts, for the podcast, Suzanne Waters and Lee Wang will also be there and some of the guests that we've interviewed on previous podcasts. We're going to have more information about the holiday party in the notes of the podcast, and I hope to see you at Hudson Hall on Thursday, December 5th. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Infinity Energy Services for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You'll learn more about them during this episode. Thank you again to Infinity Energy Services. It's amazing how many international people do come to this conference. I mean, the great thing about Solar Power International, I think about 16,000 people come to the conference. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm excited to have Lee Wang your on the podcast. My co-host. He hasn't actually been on an episode for a while. It's been since September 10, so I'm excited to... Yeah. Thanks, Manoy. I'm excited to be back. And, you know, obviously a lot going on in the news today. The Senate's voting on the impeachment. And, you know, we were just talking about how, you know, tariffs have affected the solar business. You know, it (laughs) must be affecting everything. But as we say around here, don't let what you can't control affect you. So only focus on what you can control. That is key. I mean, I really don't pay attention actually to politics because I feel like there's so much out of your control, so I try to focus on the things that I can control. So. Yeah. So speaking of, I know you've been traveling a lot. Tell us what you've been up to. Definitely. I'm happy to be back. So this podcast episode is going to, we call it the Solar Power International Takeaways. If you don't know what Solar Power International is, it's actually the biggest solar conference in North America. It was actually held in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was there for four days. And so I've been actually on the road for the past three and a half weeks, and I've been back for two weeks and just been traveling, speaking at, went to the conference Solar Power International in Salt Lake, then actually was in Dallas, Texas, where I spoke at a Deloitte and Touche, their renewable energy conference based in, it was in Dallas, Texas. And I actually spoke about the Deloitte Energy Renewable Energy Conference. And the conference was Impact of Renewable Energy on the Future of Real Estate. And I was on a panel with Lisa Brown from Johnson Controls, Susan Nicky from Hannon Armstrong. And then the moderator was Todd Sampson from Deloitte. Deloitte taped it. So we're actually talking to them about doing it as a podcast episode. So we'll keep you updated. It was a really interesting panel. And it's interesting because I know Lee mentioned in the beginning of the podcast about the whole impeachment and what the federal government's doing. What's interesting about this was one of the discussions that came up was Lisa Brown actually does a lot of things internationally with energy. And as you know, Lee, we've done stuff in Asia and South America. But it's interesting when you go to other countries, 
their energy policy is on a national basis. But in the U.S., it's different. It's actually a state-by-state basis. So I'm hoping one day, like, the federal government will have a federal national energy policy because I think, you know, energy obviously is one of the biggest costs for, you know, the citizens of the United States, businesses, but also, too, with, you know, climate change and being strategic. It's, you know, obviously, we've been in wars in the Middle East because of oil. And obviously, for one of the reasons that I got excited about solar was that it could make the United States energy independent with renewable energy resources. So Lisa and I actually were discussing this during the panel because, for example, we've done stuff in Vietnam. Vietnam had a national, basically, feed-in tariff program to incentivize the development of solar energy. You know, I've also looked at things in Colombia, and Colombia actually just finished a Colombia renewable energy auction where they prioritized renewable energy because they have a lot of hydroelectricity and it depends on how much it rains. So there's a variability in their electricity costs. But I think it would make everything a lot easier if there was a national energy policy. So I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but I thought that was interesting because we talked about that. And, you know, obviously we'll keep you updated on the podcast when that episode comes out. Then I was actually in San Diego for the Influencer 2019 that we mentioned. And then I actually spoke two weeks ago at a conference about developing renewable energy and opportunity zones for brownfields in Newark, New Jersey. And we taped that as well for the podcast. So you'll be hearing about that where I talk about the New Jersey solar market. Well, speaking of San Diego, you know, as a counterpoint, do you think if we did have a national policy, it might inhibit or hold back some of the more progressive states like California, you know, who are really setting the bar high for renewable energy standards. Do you think that that could be a possible detriment of having a nationwide policy? Potentially, but I was thinking it as addition to basically a national policy. If you aren't familiar, like we do have federal incentives, which is called the investment tax credit, which is a 30% investment tax credit for the cost of the system. There's also accelerated depreciation, which is on obviously a federal or national level, where basically that qualifies for 50% of the system costs when you take this five-year maker's accelerated depreciation and then 30% investment tax credit. So yes, I definitely think, I mean, obviously California has been extremely progressive with renewable energy, energy sustainability measures, but I would think it'd be on top of like more sort of incentives. And I think- So there's sort of kind of a baseline push push on, in addition to what individual states are, are doing. Yes, that's what, what I was thinking. Okay. And it's interesting because, you know, since we're talking about the federal government, one of the things is that the investment tax credit, and I know we've mentioned this on other podcasts, is stepping down. It's 30% this year, and then it's you know going to go down to 26%, and then eventually 10% for commercial industrial, and 0% for residential eventually. I think that's like 2022 or 2023. So it's basically in 2019, it's 30%. 2020, it's 26%. 2021, it's 22%. And then 2022, it's basically 10% for commercial, industrial, and utility, 0% for residential. It was interesting when I was actually in Utah at the Solar Power International, a lot of people were excited and think that potentially the legislation to keep it at 30% is going to hopefully happen and get passed. I think it potentially might be 
challenging because obviously the Democrats are focused on impeachment. They might not be focused on passing this bill. And obviously we know that President Trump is not pro incentives specifically for renewable energy. So I still think it's going to be a challenging sort of process going forward. So what were some of the other key takeaways at the Solar Power International Conference? Definitely. So what I was amazed with was how many exhibitors there were. And there was just a general excitement about the solar industry. You know, there was a huge energy storage. I was only actually in the convention center for a very brief time, but it seemed like very positive about where the industry is going. And then I was just this might be my seventh or eighth Solar Power International. So it was great to kind of see how many companies were exhibiting, you know, different products, new technology. Everyone was interesting enough talking about bifacial panels. If you don't know what bifacial panels are, they're panels where you could generate solar on both sides. And then after the conference, actually, so bifacial, Lee, you mentioned this actually earlier about there's been tariffs on solar panels, but since bifacial panels was a new technology, it was exempt from the tariffs. Mm -hmm. And then actually after Solar Power International, they put tariffs on bifacial wow. panels. So it's interesting because now obviously the cost is a lot higher for these panels. I think the exemption was like the 25% tariff. And I think that like relates to four to five cents per watt. We were actually looking at some of our projects with re-engineering them for bifacial, that it was worth the additional investment because it's more expensive than your standard panel. But then with the tariffs now on it, we're not going to look at it. And it's also smaller as well, so you get more production for a smaller panel. So it's been interesting because a lot of companies engineered these projects to be bifacial, and then you know, they thought that there was not going to be a tariff on it because most of the solar panel manufacturers that specialize in bifacial and this new technology are in China. Yep. So it's interesting to see because now with the tariff, I think people are probably going to hold off where in the conference, every PV panel manufacturer, specifically the Asian panel manufacturers, were showing the bifacial technology and it wasn't subject to the tariff, but that now has changed. But it's hard because this happened in the last minute. Right. And it's challenging from a business perspective when you're designing these systems for this and then it immediately becomes a lot more expensive then you're going to have to re-engineer. So from a business perspective, like obviously not giving any notice and doing this extremely quickly wasn't a positive thing. Right. So are you seeing a lot of businesses sort of reaching out to you for help on this issue now? This is uh, becoming more of the forefront. It's so sudden, right? Yeah. So people are re-engineering their projects to your standard panels. What's been interesting too, with the investment tax credit going from 30 to 26 percent to safe harbor, to meaning to qualify for the 30 percent, people are buying panels to qualify. So there's like basically a 5 percent safe harbor. So it's interesting because I've been looking, actively looking for panels for 2019, and it's extremely difficult to find panels right wow. now. Here we're talking in the beginning of November to have something by the end of the year to be able to warehouse. It's extremely challenging. So it's interesting to see because of the step down of the investment tax credit. Also, people 
who are looking at potentially using bifacial panels are now going to change to your standard panels. But that's not the real reason for the shortage. The real reason for the shortage is the step down of the ITC. People want to make sure that their projects qualify for the 30%. So that was one of the big points from the conference that people were talking about the bifacial technology. Also, one of the sort of big sort of things I was hearing about was how companies are getting more comfortable with shorter turn tenors with the power purchase agreement. Lee and I did a previous podcast about power purchase agreements. Normally it was 20 years, but now for utility scale, even commercial industrial, we're seeing shorter term, 10 to 15 years. And then we're seeing as well and investors getting comfortable with shorter term PPA contracts, getting comfortable slowly with merchant risk, meaning mm -hmm. that you don't have a fixed contract. Also we're seeing, and we've seen this for a long time, Finance here is giving longer residual values, which is basically the useful life of the project after the PPA period ends. So that's, I think, a pretty unique thing that we were seeing as well from the conference. So, And then obviously everyone's talking about energy storage. Lee and I did actually a podcast on 2019 energy storage trends. And, you know, the big thing is there are a lot of energy storage manufacturers there with their technologies. What we've been really seeing is lithium ion technology. We're seeing the biggest cost declines as well. And then also one of the things we saw at the conference was there was a lot of companies basically providing their software solution to handle energy storage. A big part of it is like there are different things that you potentially could monetize. So answer services. There's so many different things that you could basically, if you go into the grid, other than resiliency and backup power that you could get compensated for, grid reliability, capacity. So you really need a software solution, a platform to make it happen. So it's been interesting to kind of see. And then also, too, I was in a discussion about opportunity zones. If you're not familiar with opportunity zones within the tax code, the revision of the tax code, there's basically tax incentives if you invest in a project in an opportunity zone. And if you're in that investment for 10 years, then you don't have to pay capital gains. So I know a lot of people are trying to understand that as well, whether it's worth investing in a renewable energy project within an opportunity zone. So there was a lot of discussion regarding that. That's something that we're still actually trying to figure out because a project portfolio that we're developing are in opportunity zones and we're getting as well real estate developers asking us, hey, if I you know, am developing this building in opportunity zone, can we pull in solar and get the same sort of incentives as well with the opportunity zone does it make sense the other thing too is the opportunity zone incentives are declining at the end of this year so but people think that they'll continue this because really the guidance provided by the irs happened in april or may so that's really like the major trends that i saw at solar power international Literally, I was in meetings from Sunday to Wednesday, so I wasn't spending much time in the conference or where the exhibit was, and I was only there for a brief time. But it was surreal for me for people to recognize me from the podcast wow. or, yeah. and say hello, and even people recognize my voice as well when I was in the conference center as well. And then we actually interviewed, I know Lee heard about this, Allison Roars for the podcast, and she is a big fan of the Solar Maverick podcast. And we interviewed actually at their offices, 
SWCA's office in Salt Lake City. And she talks about permitting, which we've never discussed on the podcast. And she said it was actually very surreal meeting me because she listened to most of the episodes when she drives to work. So it was really very surreal. And she said, Lee, that it was like meeting Justin Timberlake. (laughs) For her, she was saying to her cohort workers, and I told her, and you'll hear this in the podcast interview, that that's the first time anyone's compared me to Justin Timberlake. Well, yeah, I think you've got the same dance moves. (laughs) (laughs) I have imitated his moves and and a big fan of JT. Yeah, well... I remember her Super Bowl appearance, though. So. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people remember yeah. it. <laughs> so how many years have you been going to this conference now? You it's mentioned. now like seven years that I've been going to okay. Solar Power International. Did you notice, were there any particular areas of the world that were better represented this time around than when you first started out? I mean, what's interesting is you have a lot of international companies that are coming, but it's also like there's even exhibitors where they section off like what countries they're from. And it's amazing how many international people do come to this conference. I mean, the great thing about Solar Power International, I think about 16,000 people come to the conference. And then pretty much everyone in the solar industry is there. So it's great to set up meetings because you know they'll be there. It's a lot cheaper than like flying to all these different cities to meet with people. So usually like my schedule is packed from the morning till the evening with meetings. Then I'm at different events. So it's a pretty great conference to kind of if you want to learn about the solar industry And next year, they're actually having 2020. They have it in September. It's in Anaheim, California. And I actually spoke at the conference last year in Las Vegas regarding corporate PPAs. So, you know, if you've never been, and it was just amazing because Salt Lake City, it's a very small city. And then you have 14,000 people there Mm -hmm. for a solar conference. We literally, it felt like we took over the city. And it's interesting because like the Uber and Lyft rides got extremely expensive. And actually, I booked one of the last hotels two months before the event that was walking distance to the convention center. There were some people who were coming from Park City, Utah, even further out. But it was a great city. Like The weather ended up being perfect, but it was amazing like how the solar industry keeps getting bigger. And there was just so much positivity and excitement about the next 10 years of solar since we're going to go into a new decade in 2020, which I'm very excited about because I think the cost of solar is going to continue to decline, coupling that with battery storage and the technology and the efficiency. So it's an exciting 10 years. Yes, there's challenges, but the industry has been always creative and unique right. to figure out how to be competitive. And it's exciting because we're competitive. The reason why, too, solar has taken off as well, and this is some of the other trends, is really companies with their goals of 100% renewables. I know you've heard me say this many times, Lee, but they're also dictating that they want renewable energy. So that's allowing a lot of development as well. So the corporate PPAs, which Lee and I have done a podcast a long time ago, have also allowed for a lot of the development. And then once energy storage is economical, the other thing too, people are talking about states having 100% renewable energy Mm -hmm. goals. We talked about California. We've talked about New York and New Jersey and a lot of other states. So even though from, I was talking that it would be great to have more federal national policy, it's been amazing how the states in the US and also companies have really pushed for renewable energy. And that's allowing for a lot of growth and development. 
Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank our sponsor of this episode of the podcast, Infinity Energy Services, which is a turnkey solar development company with a focus on origination of opportunities between Maine and Virginia. They use their ability to structure financing and EPC projects as value add with their partners. To learn more about Infinity, go to their website, www.infinityenergyservices.net, or contact Tom Laredo, who's the director of projects origination. His number is 732-370-2446. I also interviewed Michael Kushner, who's the president of Infinity Energy Services on episode 49 of the Solar Maverick podcast. Thank you again to Infinity Energy Services for sponsoring the podcast. So, Benoit, you've been going there for over seven years. What advice do you have for people who may be attending their first Solar Power International show as far as, you know, managing? It can be overwhelming with the number of options to attend and setting up meetings. What's kind of your game plan before going into a show like that? Sure. So for me, there are people that I want to meet. So I come up with a list and, you know, obviously if I know them, I reach out to them directly. But there's sometimes I will call or email through LinkedIn. It really kind of depends like what you're looking for for the conference. I mean, I think it's worth to buy the exhibitor pass and walk through the floor because even walking through the floor, talking to all the different companies, you learn a lot. I always try to do that, but it's usually like at the end of the conference or a very brief period of time. Also, they have like the educational sessions, which you could pay more for to attend the conference. And it's really just going out there and meeting. There's so many different events. So let people know that you'll be attending the conference and you know people will invite you to things. And there's a lot of happy hours as well on the floor of the exhibit hall. And that's great ways of meeting people. Also, actually, this conference too, if you register, they also have an app where you could network with other people in the industry. Obviously, they have to set up their profile as well. So I've also seen companies now putting LinkedIn ads and messages to say that they're, they're attending, gonna be there. Okay. that they're going to be there. So, you know, obviously that's an interesting strategy. That's an interesting yeah. strategy as well. And then also I get emails like about, Hey, we're attending. If you want to meet, set up something on our calendar. And I think like, as it's probably one of the best solar conferences to attend out of all the one, you know, I've been to many conferences, but, and everyone in the industry is at this conference. And next year, as I said, it's going to be in Anaheim, California in September of 2020. And even though this podcast is coming out in December, I think like these key takeaways are still very important. Like we're basically filming this Mm -hmm. on Halloween on October 31st and I've been traveling then. So it's, but there's still, I think these ideas and points are extremely, you know, valuable, even though it's been a few months after the conference. And how many have you been a speaker on? So last year was actually my first time speaking. I was actually a moderator for a panel on corporate PPAs. I've actually written two articles about corporate PPAs. If you go onto the Renew Energy website on the educational tab, you'll see the two articles that I wrote for PV Magazine and Renewable Energy World. So now that and you're going to speak next year in Anaheim, right? I mean, I will submit an application to speak next right. year, but there's no guarantee, no guarantee. Right. that, you know, it, they have an abstract and approval process 
that you know as a yeah. part of when it. you've so, gone from moderators to panelists and now hopefully you'll evolve right? yeah i mean I, now i honestly now and lee knows this i speak now like once a month mm-hmm. at many different conferences it's interesting because solar power international it's a smaller audience that's coming to hear you speak than like at a bigger at a conference where you know everyone is actually you know registered for in attending but mm-hmm. it is definitely you know, a great conference to speak at. And right. So you're, you know, you're one of your regular job, part of your job description is to attend conferences and be part of them. Talk a little bit about this other conference that you recently were part of, the Mogul X. Oh, yeah. So this is, if you're not familiar, we mentioned this on another podcast. So I was actually the dean of the Hustle Track Oh, that's quite a title. Seriously. I never, you know, Dean, I was like, effectively, Dean means MC. Right. So it was interesting because if you're not familiar with Mogul X Conference, it's basically, it was in New York one Saturday in the beginning of September. It basically encompasses the schedule of transformative classes, immersive experience. And then they have these different tracks. I was the, the hustle track, but there was one in work, finance, relationship, travel, health, and wellness. Each class is taught by a world-class CEO or top executive or celebrity where they take their lifetime of learning and expertise and turn it to actionable lessons. And for me, like even emceeing it, I was learning from listening to the different speakers. One of the key speakers was Susie Orman. She taught actually three classes of the finance track. I wasn't able to attend because I was emceeing the hustle track, but it was still like amazing people in my track. For example, some of the speakers was John Henry. He's a partner of Harlem Capital and he's host of Viceland's Hustle. And he basically, they invest in minority-owned businesses. They're a venture capital firm. There's also Melania Hughes. She's the chief human resources officer of Moody's. And she talked about getting hired. And I thought that was really interesting. And Deb Bubb, she's actually the chief leadership and learning and inclusion officer at IBM. And you know what? She actually was talking about working smarter. And what was amazing too, she focused a lot of her talk on the importance of sleep. Wow, and that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something totally different, but how keeping a sleep schedule, how sleeping seven to eight hours and forcing yourself to go to bed at the same time and impacting your circadian rhythm, it was just really interesting. Someone from IBM, and right. she actually showed all these charts on how it hurts productivity actually when you don't sleep well. So to put a priority, because that's when your body is battling certain things or regenerating and things. So it's interesting. And then actually, Mielka Umler, she's the founder and CEO of Me and the Bees Lemonade. I actually saw her on Shark Tank. She's only 14 years old, and she was funded by Damon John. And I was really impressed for her presentation at 14 years old. And now, you know, they're distributing her lemonade in Whole Foods. So it was amazing conference. It's called Mogul X. They're going to have it next year as well. It's probably going to be in New York City. Tiffany Pham also, who's the founder and CEO of Mogul, also was in Hustle Track. And she was actually interviewed on our podcast as well. She's actually the first person that was not a solar person that we interviewed, but we got a lot of great feedback from it. And she's actually right now our fifth most downloaded episode of the Solar Maverick podcast. That's where I interview Tiffany Pham. She's the founder and CEO of Mogul. If you don't know about Mogul, Mogul basically focuses on, you know, 
productivity for people and companies. They also have a platform where Fortune 500 can find job candidates. So, you know, definitely check out that episode that I interview Tiffany. I'm also an investor as well in Mogul and actually Susie Orman is as well. So it was great actually to meet Susie Orman as well. I met her in the speaker's lounge and we were talking about the investment in Mogul. And then I, we were talking about her show and it was- How was she in person? She was very um, down to earth really funny and we had a great conversation and i was joking to her about the part of the show where callers call in right. and ask her whether they should spend something on a vacation or luxury shooter. and then she says denied and i love that part of the show and we we're joking about that but it was pretty amazing to meet her because i'm a big fan of what she preaches she's the queen of personal finance and then she has a very popular show as well on CNBC. All right. That's great. So, Benoit, run us through this other event that's coming up, the Operating Zone Bootcamp and Pitch Competition that you spoke about. Yeah. So that actually happened two weeks ago where I spoke at the Brightfields event, which we've talked about Brightfields before. So Brightfields basically has a platform where their redevelopment opportunities, they list for landfill and brownfills. It was in Newark, New Jersey. We actually interviewed Dan French, who's the CEO and founder of Brightfields on episode 46 of the podcast. It was in Newark, New Jersey at NGIT. It was an Opportunity Zone bootcamp and pitch competition, as Lee said. I actually spoke about the New Jersey solar market so that people understand the opportunity as well. And then I talked about community solar and actually, the community solar pilot in New Jersey, which we did a podcast episode with Suzanne Waters, we talk about how there's an incentive actually to develop solar on landfill and brownfield. So I was mentioning that opportunity to the attendees. And the panel that I was on was called Developing Renewable Energy in Opportunity Zones. We actually have taped that. We're hoping to release it as a podcast and it's basically was a real estate development event focused on the critical path to successful, sustainable reinvestment into the country's 8,700 plus opportunity zones. I talked briefly about what the incentive was. And then the two other speakers were Pat Morand, who's with the law firm Dwayne Morris, and he talks about in more detail the benefits of opportunity zone and Victoria Zellen from Possible Planet, where she talks about pace financing and potentially matching opportunity zone and base financing. So, you know, obviously we'll have more details about that. Yeah. So another thing I didn't want to forget is a little bit of housekeeping. By the time this episode airs, we'll be running into the Renew Energy holiday party. So I just want to give you an yep, opportunity definitely. to plug that and give, <laughs> give us some details on that. Yeah, and it's always a great time. I'll, you know, Lee, obviously, I uh, was there last year, and we'll have Suzanne Waters, who's a co-host. That's on Thursday, December 5th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Hudson Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. You know, to our listeners who we call Mavericks, we have listeners come. Also, some of the guests from the podcast that we've interviewed as well will be there, and as well as a lot of people within the solar industry. We'll have details on the notes of the podcast about it. It's $10 to attend. There'll be plenty of food. Come hungry. Well, I hope that our friend, shout out to Pat Darby, who's, who's, <laughs> out, who's out in California. Our friend Pat Darby, he's well known around these parts for maintaining a six-pack during the summer, so... Luckily, the winter party, if he's able to come back from California and join us, uh, he'll be eating some food. 
Yeah, unfortunately, Pat won't be able to make the party because he's actually living out in San Diego till the end of January. He's actually a listener of the podcast. And it's funny because when I was in San Diego, we have an actually office in San Diego, California. He actually was in San Diego. So we spent a lot of time together. You know, we strategize. He's actually, if anyone's interested, he focuses on financial advisory and planning. And then he's doing a study on fitness influencers right now. And he's probably coming back January 31st. And it's amazing. I've been friends with Pat for a while, how disciplined he is with his diet. And I have to learn how to be disciplined <laughs> like him. And the reason Lee was mentioning this was because at our summer solstice party, he was very, very, he wouldn't eat or drink anything. Yeah, there's these delicious sliders and pierogies and Pat stood firm and he was sitting there. But uh, maybe one day solar technology will help us uh, with our body control, right? <laughs> well, Pat's extremely disciplined and it's amazing because you know, he's given me some advice and tips and too bad he won't be able to make it. He's been a regular actually at all our events, except he won't be able to make this one. If you're not familiar too, I'm actually one of the co-owners of Hudson Hall, which is a Czech beer garden smokehouse. So there'll be plenty of food come hungry and it's a great time. Well, I'm going to segue a little bit because we're, you know, near the end of this episode. We covered a lot but we just want to bring the topic. Benoit, I know listeners know that you've been investing in, you know, hospitality. So take us now, you know, how, speaking of Hudson Hall, you mentioned on the way here, you're happy with the way it's going. Do you have any advice for people who would, are considering investing in the hospitality industry? You mentioned something about, you know, basically letting leadership do what needs to be done as far as, you know, day-to-day decisions and, you know, kind of staying out of that. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, I have a lot of advice. So if you're not aware, like I'm one of the owners, as I mentioned, of Hudson Hall, but I'm also as well a partner owner of Ani Ramen as well in Jersey City, Maplewood and Summit. So it's been an experience. I mean, one thing that I realized now as being an investor, I'm basically a silent investor. I'm not actively managing the day to day. I do help with like strategy, raising money, bringing events. But one thing, it's really about trusting the people. And I think the hospitality industry is just a very competitive industry. Obviously, if the restaurants are successful, it's extremely profitable, but it's very challenging and and it's a fun business. But I think it boils down to some basic concepts and it's about trust, right? The first thing is about trusting the partners that you're either working with or investing with. The managing member of Hudson Hall, him and I have been friends for a long time. He's had a lot of successful restaurants and bars in New York and New Jersey. And then I was actually, you know, comfortable with his vision of, you know, what he would see. The other thing that I was also telling Lee is like, I'm not in the hospitality industry. So I let the managers of the business I don't try to get too involved. There's twofold. If the business is running successful and they feel like doing things a certain way, what am I to say? You know, I don't have years of experience in the hospitality industry. Like if they're directly asking me for suggestions, which happens all the time or advice, I'm happy to help that. The also the other thing too is, I know we actually didn't talk about this, Lee, as well. Hudson Hall, like the managing members looking at other opportunities and even Ani Raman. If you're the silent investor who's always questioning every single thing or very hard to deal with, they're not going to come back to you for that next opportunity. So like I prefer as well being with the same groups. And if I know that they're successful and I know that they could make money, 
you know, I want to stay with them. But I've been very fortunate because both are very successful restaurants. Most restaurants do fail, but it was really my trust and confidence and experience of basically the team. And that goes in all, you know, aspects, my personal, my business life. Lee, who's my director of marketing, my PR person, you know, obviously there has to be a certain level of trust and also communication too. That's the other thing that you're extremely transparent in, in communication. And then another important thing is like just being ethical mm-hmm. is a really important thing as well, because that's not necessarily there. So some that goes back to, you know, trust and then being able to perform, right? All right. So just like with a line from one of our favorite movies, always do the right thing. Always know? do the right yeah. thing, especially when no one's watching. Yeah, exactly. You know, so and, and that's really important. So well, yeah, that's great. So let's that takes us up to the end of this episode. As always, we invite questions, comments from our listeners. And pretty soon we're working on this strong. We're gonna have a an official website for the podcast, and you'll be able to see show notes, links to resources. We're working hard on that just to be able to deliver you more useful information that you can take away and apply to your life. And yeah, an additional content. We appreciate everyone that's been so supportive of the podcast and we appreciate your support. Thank you. All right. Till next time. Thank you, Lee. Thanks, our take listeners. Care. Take care. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Infinity Energy Services for sponsoring the podcast. If you would like to learn more about Infinity Energy Services, go to their website, which is www.infinityenergyservices.net or contact Tom Laredo, who's their director of project origination. His number is 732-370-2446. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown. 